For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Did Cincinnati make a mistake by getting rid of Nick Senzel maybe a little bit too early? Against left-handed pitchers, Nick Senzel in his career, a 287 batting average and a 794 OPS. Clearly, he has something to give against left-handed pitchers. Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm kind of a big deal. Here's Danny and Will. Episode 106, baby, Wake and Rake Podcast. Let's talk some free agency. That's what we're here for. Will Middlebrooks is not here. I'm riding solo today. But I understand it's Thanksgiving week, so happy early Thanksgiving to everyone. And because it's Thanksgiving week, I get it. There's going to come a time this week where everybody needs to either take a stroll, take a walk, go stand outside for an hour, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it might be. I love my family, but we all know that we need a break from them when they're around for for a little bit too long, when they overstay their welcome just a bit. Mom, dad, family, I love you, but we all understand. So this is what I'm here for. Take some time away, listen to the Wake and Rake podcast. We're going to be talking a little bit about free agents today, under the radar free agents. We're already seeing a little bit more rumblings, some more stirrings. Uh, Aaron Nola is going back to Philadelphia. He got a seven-year deal, $172 million to stay with Philadelphia. Managerial openings are almost all wrapped up. There's still one opening remaining. Um, today, though, because Will and I are eventually going to be picking our matchmakers, the big-time free agents, your Otanis, um, your Yamamotos, the, the big-name guys, Will and I are going to be kind of making our predictions and breaking down into a little bit further detail. Today, I'm riding solo. So I'm going to be talking about free agents that nobody's talking about because I'm trying to be different. Let's zig while everybody else is zagging, right? First, Aaron Nola. Going back to Philadelphia, as I mentioned, with a seven-year, $172 million deal. Dave Dombrowski does it again. Since taking over for Philadelphia less than three years ago, Dave Dombrowski spent $300 million on Trey Turner. He extended Aaron Nola, $172 million. He extended JT Real Muto for $115 million, signed Nick Castellanos to $100 million, Kyle Schwarber $79 million, Taewon Walker $72 million. Dave Dombrowski has that reputation for a reason. He likes spending money, and it's paying off for him. Back-to-back uh, -back NLCS appearances for the Phillies. Uh, they made the World Series two years ago, and then they fell short last year in the NLCS. Second note, as we creep closer to free agents, new managers across the board, there's still one opening remaining, but Ron Washington is going to be the Los Angeles Angels manager. Joe Espada was named and introduced as the Houston Astros manager. Craig Council, Cubs manager. Pat Murphy, longtime minor league coach and uh, collegiate coach. He was formerly at Arizona State for a while. Um, he was the AAA manager with the Padres for a while. He's going to be the Brewers' new manager. 
Bob Melvin, this is kind of old news now, but of course he's now in San Francisco. Some more Bay Area familiarity. Stephen Vogt is going to be the new manager in Cleveland, his first ever managerial gig. He was playing ball for the Oakland A's just two years ago, two seasons ago. And then Carlos Mendoza for the Mets, he will be taking the helm there. The one spot that's still remaining, there is an opening in San Diego still. Uh, expectations are is that they're going to be naming their manager very, very soon, as they should be, because free agency is starting to kick up a notch. Of course, in that same in that same breath, uh, San Diego's dealing with uh, some unexpected, um, some unexpected sadness is what is what I should say. Um, it, Peter Seidler, uh, the beloved owner of the San Diego Padres, he took over and uh, took took over responsibility of the club in 2020. He unfortunately passed away this past week. He had dealt with uh, different causes of, of health issues over the past couple of years, including cancer. And unfortunately it did take his life and Padre fans, Padre players, pretty outspoken and uh, uh, just uh, overcome with, with sadness over this last week. Cause this is a guy that, that took over, a historically losing franchise, a franchise that does not spend money at all, doesn't invest into a club. When Peter Seidler took over in 2012, uh, him and his group, I should say, in 2012, the San Diego Padres had the lowest payroll in all of Major League Baseball, 30 out of 30, $55.2 million. Uh, that's when Peter Seidler and his group purchased the club. They purchased it the 2012-2013 offseason. In 2020, Seidler bought out the shares and he took full control of the team in 2020. And then by 2023, this past season, the Padres had the third highest payroll in all of Major League Baseball with a $256 million payroll. And a lot of people would respond to that and say, well, the Padres didn't exactly do anything with that payroll. They missed the playoffs. But look at how legitimate and formidable the San Diego Padres now. Now are because of Peter Seidler, because his willingness to spend money on a roster and he brought baseball back to San Diego, a team that hadn't won anything in two decades. And now they have Tatis and Machado and Soto uh, and and you Darvish and uh, they had Josh Hader last year and Musgrove like championships aside. Baseball means something in San Diego, and a lot of the reason is because of Peter Seidler and what he had done with the team these past this past decade and a half. So that, that that's tough. Um, it, it's really tough. But uh, I just hope that whoever it gets handed over to continues the vision that Peter Seidler had for for this club. I touched on the main piece of our episode today is free agents. Nobody's talking about. While you're taking your break away from your family, we're talking about guys that uh, a little bit fly a little bit more under the radar. Uh, Brandon Belt, for example, Tony Kemp, for example, uh, some pitchers that maybe you didn't even realize were free agents, maybe Yunjin Ryu. Okay, we'll get there. So we'll go around the diamond. Let, let's start at the catcher's position. And I only have one guy for this position. Um, it, it, look, this list is kind of subjective. It's guys that I think maybe people don't realize. Like I was looking at the list, the complete full list of free agents this offseason. And I kind of went player by player and was like, wow, you know, that that that's he could make an impact this next season and, and beyond. But maybe I didn't realize or maybe some of you didn't realize were available. So again, catchers, we'll, we'll start there. Uh Mitch Garver will start the World Series champ. He just won the World Series here in 2023 with the Texas Rangers. And 
he's been a, a really good hitter for um, when healthy is what I should say. 31 homers in 2019 in just 93 games with Minnesota. Then the injury started to take a toll on him. But this last year with him splitting time with Jonah Heim, he batted 270 in 87 games. He had an 870 OPS, 19 home runs in just 87 games. That's one of the best at-bat per home run ratios amongst all players in the American League, not just catchers. So Mitch Garver, and he was he was incredibly influential too in the playoffs for the Texas Rangers and them hoisting a trophy. He had a 2.1 wins above replacement. Excuse me, wins above replacement across 87 games. So Mitch Garver, he's going to be a free agent, and he could be a a, a good piece to the puzzle for a lot of teams. A guy that can absolutely pick it behind the dish and absolutely has a good bat behind him as well. Shifting gears to first baseman Brandon Belt. He's reports are is that he's uh, considering retirement. Now, with that said, he actually had a really strong year with Toronto last year, mostly as a designated hitter. But Belt's dealt with injuries really his entire career. When healthy, he's a really uh, high-disciplined guy, gets on base at a high rate, um, doesn't really have the power that everybody once hoped he would develop, especially Giants fans early on. But last year, he was actually second among American League first basemen with an 858 OPS. That was, of course, in a limited time, Belt, because he did deal with injuries. He's going to be coming up on 36 years old, Belt will. So age has taken a toll, and we'll see if he even wants to continue his career. But an 858 OPS last year for Brandon Belt in Toronto, that's plenty good enough to probably garner him some type of offer somewhere if he does decide he wants to continue his career. Luke Voigt. Nobody has Luke Voigt on their radar. Luke Voigt's going to kind of a cast off these last couple of years. He spent a little bit of time with Milwaukee last year, but really, really struggled. But in AAA last year, between AAA with the Mets and AAA with the Brewers, had 15 home runs in 45 games. That's a 54 home run pace across 162 games. Luke Voigt still got pop. Um, he belted, what was it? Let's see what he did with the Padres just a couple of years ago. In 2022, he's with the Padres, and he was part of that deal. He was in the Soto trade, um, the, the the big deal, and Mackenzie Gore went over there, uh, over to Washington, uh, and a load of prospects. And then uh, it was they unloaded the Hosmer and Voigt contracts. Anyways, Voigt with San Diego. This was just a year ago. He had uh, 22 home runs and a 710 OPS across 135 games, but split between the Padres and the Nationals. So Luke Voigt still has pop. I mentioned when he didn't triple A last year. I would be shocked if we didn't see him on some team somewhere in spring training fighting for a spot somewhere. Rowdy Telez is going to be a free agent with Milwaukee last year. He dealt with another guy kind of like Brandon Belt, dealt with injuries. But he is just one year removed from socking 35 homers in 2022. 35 homers is hard to to overlook. Um, he's a guy that really rakes off of righties and struggles against lefties, so he's more so a platoon first baseman. But 35 home runs in 2022, he dealt with a forearm and broken finger in 2023. He was never able to really get on track in 2023. And he was a, a, amongst a lineup in Milwaukee that struggled a lot of the season as well. So I would expect Rowdy Tellez kind of get back into the fold and be healthy once more. Juan Yepes was non-tendered with the St. Louis Cardinals. He's a guy that they were hoping in St. Louis would develop into a more everyday player. A 736 OPS in AAA this past year. Uh, 
12 home runs, a 742 OPS in 76 games two years ago with St. Louis. He took a step back this last year, really struggled at the big league level. He hit below the Mendoza line with uh, St. Louis in limited time in 2023. It was a bit of a surprise in St. Louis when they decided to not retain a 25-year-old first baseman who did show promise just two years ago, but it came down to amount of roster spots. St. Louis is looking to make some noise this offseason, especially pitching-wise, so they needed to open up some more roster spots on that 40-man, so Juan Yepes could be an option for somebody as a first baseman. Second baseman's pretty limited this year, offseason-wise, offseason for agent-wise, but Tony Kemp, Really struggled the first half of the season. Was legitimately one of the worst players when you take into account wins above replacement, uh, outs above average, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, really struggled with Oakland last year, uh, as did the team in Oakland. And Oakland was dealing with a lot, right? Like the re- relocation, uh, a roster that was mirroring more of a farm league team more than it was a major league roster. So Tony Kemp had zero protection and uh, they were dealing with a lot in Oakland. But the second half of the season, he really started to get back to the Tony Kemp that we all know and love. Uh, against left-handed pitchers last season, especially, he actually raked a 9.33 OPS and a 3.20 batting average versus left-handed pitchers last season, which makes no sense because he's a left-handed hitter. So it's kind of a reverse splits type guy, and he's a player that can play all around the diamond. He mostly plays second base. I have Tony Kemp listed as a second baseman here on this list but he plays all around the outfield. He can play pretty much anywhere in the infield as well. He's a, a true utility player in today's age and a guy that clearly can still rake off of lefties reverse splits. Shortstop position, really the middle infield as a whole, this free agents, uh, this offseason, free agent-wise, is uh, le- leaves some to be desired, I, I, I should say. And uh, But shortstop-wise, Ahmed Rosario, he was acquired midseason last year from Cleveland by the Dodgers, and he's really been as consistent as they come. Take that for what it is, though, because uh, Rosario has a 280 batting average in his career. He, he hits 10 to 15 home runs per season, a career 730 OPS. He's nothing special, but you know exactly what you're going to get at him. He's going to field his position well. He's, he's, he's very above average defensively, offensively. He's likely not going to be a guy that hits 30 home runs in the season, 25 home runs in the season. He's likely not going to be a guy that wins a gold glove at the shortstop position, but he's a guy that's going to hit 280, 275, and he's going to hit 10 to 12 home runs. And, uh, you know, maybe if he has a career year, you can stretch that even to a little bit higher. He reminds me a lot of JP Crawford actually. And JP Crawford really developed into uh, becoming really a star for Seattle these last couple of years. Maybe Ahmed Rosario can make that leap to inch a little bit closer to a J.P. Crawford S guy. He hasn't shown that so far, but he's available in free agency, Ahmed Rosario. Nick Ahmed, uh, uh, two-time Gold Glove Award winner. Injuries have completely derailed his career. Uh, He was considered one of the better defensive shortstops in all of Major League Baseball just a few years ago, but then he's had a broken hand. He's had right hip impingement. Uh, he's had a fracture to his right wrist and he has not played over hundred games since 2021. He played 17 in 2022 and just 72 in 2023. With that said, and the biggest bugaboo for Ahmed too, has always been his bat 
and 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 lack thereof really. He's a career 684 OPS, career 234 batting average. So he does not swing the stick well. But defensively, he's still, according to the stats, he still can pick it. Six outs above average last season in limited and limited action. That's in the 90th percentile in Major League Baseball. And I mentioned he's a two-time gold glover. So he can still pick it defensively as long as he's healthy. So maybe he could be an option as a utility backup shortstop, backup middle infielder for somebody out there. Over to the hot corner. Mike Moustakis quietly had a, a pretty strong year uh, last year for the Angels. He was acquired midseason from Colorado. He had some good numbers with Colorado, but people were questioning how much were those ballooned because of the Coors effect, right? Well, last year he had a 721 OPS and 11 home runs against right-handed pitchers last season. I would say his career against lefties is probably over and done with. He's probably more of a platoon player at this point in his career because against left-handed pitchers last year, a 222 batting average and a 542 OPS. That's just not going to get it done. So if there's a team out there that can afford to platoon somebody at third base, Mike Mustaka still has some pop. 11 homers against right-handed pitchers last season. Uh, in total, he had 12. So one home run off of left-handed pitchers, 11 off of righties. He can still hit off right-handed pitching. Lefties, not so much. Jimer Candelario, you saw his name being floated a lot last year during the midseason because he finally was able to get some, some traction on his career in Washington and really had a strong 2023 campaign. 39 doubles. It was the sixth most in all of Major League Baseball. I think it was like third or second in the National League. And uh, he has equal splits as a switch hitter as well. So he's not so much a platoon option as he is a force on both sides of the plate. He's a switch hitter, so his OPS was up over 700, both from the left side and from the right side last year in 2023. So uh, a guy that also can play all around the diamond, second base, first base, third base, limited action at shortstop, but he's definitely a utility-esque player who can go gap to gap. Shifting gears to the outfield, Jock Peterson. A career 834 OPS versus right-handed pitchers. Just an, He was an all-star just a year ago with San Francisco. Jock is a guy that that, that clubhouses seem to love, or, or may, may I say uh, fan bases. You remember the Pearls when he was with uh, Atlanta when they hoisted a trophy just a couple of years ago. Um, a guy that's it's beloved among fan bases because of his demeanor and his personality. So uh, Jock Peterson is going to be a free agent this year. And San Francisco is looking to make some more splashy moves. He could certainly be an option depending on what Jock's offers are. If somebody wants to offer Jock a long-term contract, that's going to be very difficult for him to turn the other direction to. Um, but San Francisco is looking to make some noise. So Jock Peterson is, is likely headed elsewhere unless he wants to come back to his hometown for maybe a little bit of a hometown discount. Career 834 OPS against right-handed pitchers. That's, that, that's going to get it done. Robbie Grossman, another World Series champion in 2023. He was with the Texas Rangers and was more of a fourth outfielder, especially once they brought Evan Carter up from double A uh, toward the latter half of the season. Grossman is not exactly your all-star perennial power, you know, scary threat necessarily, but he's a guy that's going to get on base at a very high clip. He's your typical Tampa Bay Ray, Oakland athletic is going to have a 10-year career and get on base because that's what they value is getting on base. If you've ever seen Moneyball. Is that he had a 15.7 chase percentage last year in Major League Baseball. That was the best in all of Major League Baseball. So 
better than Juan Soto. Definitely better than uh, Javi Baez in Detroit. Uh, he does not chase pitches out of the zone. He has a really great feel for what the strike zone is and his plate discipline is a- as good as they come. Again, he's not a guy that's going to sock 25, 30 home runs in a season, but he's a guy that's going to put together a professional at bat each and every time he steps up to the dish. 13.6 walk rate, by the way, last year as well. That was top 10 in baseball. Joey Gallo. I know. Everybody just went, whoa, why are we talking about Joey Gallo? This isn't 2018, 2019. Have you seen his numbers lately, Danny? Yeah, I know. I get it. But a 13.4 at-bat per home run rate last year for Joey Gallo. He had 21 homers. That at-bat per home run rate, 13.4, was seventh highest in Major League Baseball last year. Limited action, too. He played about 120 games. He mostly faced off. He was mostly a platoon guy against right-handed starters. But 21 home runs last year for Joey Gallo in Minnesota. Um, That's going to be enough. It's going to be plenty enough to garner him some type of deal. Probably another one-year deal. Maybe he goes back to Minnesota. But Joey Gallo is available in free agency for somebody that wants a power-hitting left-handed bat. Nick Senzel has been just completely like thrown off a cliff in Cincinnati, and I think they jumped the gun a little bit. Nick Senzel is a former number two overall pick, uh, was one of the highly touted prospects in the Cincinnati system, and they expected a lot from Senzel coming up because his minor league numbers were fantastic. He rated out well defensively because he can play really all over. He started in the infield, then they kicked him out to the outfield because they didn't really have a spot for him in Cincinnati on their infield non-tendered this last week by Cincinnati, which surprised a lot of people. And I was looking at his numbers. I'm trying to figure out, did Cincinnati make a mistake by getting rid of Nick Senzel maybe a little bit too early? And I'm talking a lot about platoons and I'm talking a lot about splits in this episode here because we're talking about guys that nobody's talking about in free agency. And, And most of these guys are role players, utility players, fourth outfielders, um, you know, guys that are probably more complimentary than they are superstars, right? Or everyday players. Nick Senzel against left-handed pitchers, and this is why I think Cincinnati may have jumped the gun a little bit. Against left-handed pitchers, Nick Senzel in his career, a 287 batting average and a 794 OPS, Nick Senzel. And this is a guy that's been just moved around because they can't find a spot for him in Cincinnati. They moved him around the infield. They moved him to the outfield. Clearly, he has something to give against left-handed pitchers. His splits in his career against left-handers is is above average, and uh, batting average-wise, too, is is more than above average. So Senzel, if somebody can afford to make him a platoon player or a fourth outfielder somewhere, maybe Senzel can can provide some 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 pop from the right side. Kevin Kiermaier, his, his glove's still golden, man. Uh, he won another gold glove this season out in center field for Toronto and did it rather quietly. I think he got kind of looked over with all those bats in Toronto and Toronto's known for their offense and Vladdy and Bichette and uh, uh, Springer. And I think a lot of people just kind of like take Kiermaier's glove for granted at this point because he's a former platinum gold glover. He's, he's You look at his statistics over his career. Kevin Kiermaier is one of the best defensive players of his generation. I mean, and truly, when you look at the numbers, they support that. And it's still just as golden, too. 95th percentile in arm strength this last year. 98th percentile 
and outs above average. He had 13 outs above average this last season. And he's still got some speed to him, too, despite his age. 87th percentile in sprint speed. Kevin Kiermaier is going to be turning 33, uh, excuse me, 34 years old next season. And uh, he obviously rates out better as a defensive player than he does offensively. Last year, a 741 OPS, eight homers, 36 ribbies, and a 265 batting average across 129 games with Toronto. He's going to be a free agent, and somebody's going to absolutely want his services, especially defensively in the outfield. Michael A. Taylor had a really strong campaign for Minnesota this last year. They were expecting him to be more of a fourth outfielder. They were hoping that they would have Buxton uh, control in center field, and then they'd mix in Gallo, and they'd have Kepler, uh, Kirloff in Minnesota. Th those four guys they were hoping, and then Michael Taylor would kind of float around in the outfield because he rated out very well defensively. But Michael A. Taylor did it with the bat last season as well. He had a career high. 21 home runs last year, Michael A. Taylor. So he's hitting his stride right now with his career, and he had nine outs above average last season in the outfield. That's the 94th percentile in Major League Baseball. He's always had the glove. It's always been a question of whether his bat can provide enough offense to be an everyday player. Last year, 21 home runs for Michael A. Taylor. People are going to want his defensive glove in the outfield, and if he continues to make strides offensively, he could be a really nice complementary piece in the outfield. Adrian Duvall came out of nowhere and was like an early season MVP candidate for Boston. Uh, he came out of the gates, just, just hitting every, I mean, he was seeing beach balls at the plate. Unfortunately, uh, he ended up, I think he broke his hand or something month one or the end of month one or month two last year. And he was sidelined for half the year. So he's limited to 92 games last year, but Adam Duvall was still, uh, he was still capable of hitting 21 home runs, had an 834 OPS last season for Boston. He's been a good player for a long time, really long time. So Adam Duvall could be an option for somebody. Aaron Hicks, this might surprise some people. He was released last year from the New York Yankees after you know, a bit of a, a rocky uh, tenure with the Yankees. But last year for Baltimore, and he was more of a complimentary piece, which is what we're talking about on this episode. Last year as, as more of a fourth outfielder, um, he ranked in the 95th percentile in arm strength. So defensively, his speed isn't quite what it used to be when he was younger. Uh, and his glove is not able to uh, you know, do what it once was able to do. But arm strength-wise, still one of the best in baseball. Against left-handed pitchers last season, Aaron Hicks had a 349 batting average and a 970 OPS against left-handers last season. That's going to get it done. Aaron Hicks is available as a free agent. Hunter Renfro is the last guy I have offensively on this list. And I, I, it, it amazes me that, that he just continues to be sent places when you look at his numbers. Over the past one, two, three, four, five seasons, he's played for six teams, which is shocking when you consider he's had 20 home runs in every single full season he's played. So that's not including the 2020 COVID year. And his first season with San Diego, he only played 11 games. So since the start of his career, his rookie season was 2017. He's hit 20 home runs in every single season. That's six seasons in Major League Baseball. He's hit 20 or more home runs in every single one of those. His arm strength still rates in the top echelon of the league and percentile-wise. 
I don't understand why Hunter Renfro just keeps getting. I, I get a lot of it has to do with contracts. He's gonna he's now finally a free agent right now, and I think a lot of teams were looking at his contract coming up and arbitration. How much is he worth? Uh, well, now you can probably get him at a pretty good discounted rate because he didn't finish out the season with Cincinnati well. He played 14 games. He was he was waived by the uh, the Angels, picked up by Cincinnati. He batted just a buck 28 with one home run across 14 games with Cincinnati. All I'm saying is Hunter Renfro has been a really good, strong uh, player for six, seven seasons now. And uh, he's going to hit 20 home runs. Look at the numbers. He's going to hit 20 plus home runs. So somebody pick up Hunter Renfro. All right, let's shift over. I'm already losing breath. I'm already missing my my co-host here because uh, I'm getting tired here. My voice is getting tired. Uh, starting pitchers. And then we'll move into relief pitchers and kind of wrap things up here. Starting pitchers, Mike Clevenger. And I know he's been canceled before, and a lot of people don't want him part of the clubhouse, kind of similar to Trevor Bauer, because of the allegations and uh, legal activity that he was uh, he was a part of, especially this this before this last offseason. As the player, as a player on the baseball field, Mike Clevenger had a really strong year in 2023, despite a treacherous year in the South Side of Chicago last year. Mike Clevenger, a 3.77 ERA across 24 starts last season and his season got better as the season went on. It got off to a little bit of a rocky start. He was still kind of dealing with uh, probably some lethargy because of the injuries that he's been dealing with over the past four or five years of his career. But uh, he was probably the most consistent starter for Chicago last season. That's including Dylan Seas because Dylan Seas was a little bit rocky at times. Giolito was rocky at times. Michael Kopech was rocky at times. Uh, but Clevenger was their most consistent starting pitcher last season. 24 starts, 3.77 ERA. He'll be a free agent. Tyler Mail, Tyler Malley, excuse me. Uh, a guy that's dealt with injuries the past few years of his career. But you look at his career in totality, a 3.90 earn run average across 70 starts since 2020. Tommy John in 2023. So, Will Tyler Malley be available in 2024? He had Tommy John surgery early on this last season. It was back in it was back in May of this last season that he had that Tommy John surgery. It depends on the person. Like some TJs, people can get back within 12 months. Some people, it's 14 months, 18 months. It kind of depends. Best case scenario for him would probably return uh, return around the All Star break of the 2024 season. So maybe you don't see a team sign him during the offseason, but keep your eye on Tyler Malley as the season continues because if he's, you know, some people come back stronger, stronger from Tommy John surgery. So Tyler Malley, who has a uh, a good resume across his career, if he's able to get back healthy and, and maybe even come back stronger, he could be a, a piece for a team, playoff team, during the second half stretch run. Wade Miley... Not a big strikeout guy. He's doesn't. He's a former like top prospect too. I want to say he was drafted first round. I want to say he was top five. Let's see. Wade Miley first round. Nah, I, I I'll take it back. I get. It looks like he was forty third overall. The forty third overall pick in the two thousand eight MLB draft by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Wade Miley. But he was really like disappointing for the first half of his career. Um, the first. Six or seven seasons from 2011 to 2017. He compiled a 4.38 ERA, which is like decent enough, you know, 
to to get by. Um, but since 2017, he's kind of found a new level to his game. 42 and 24, a 3.43 ERA. And again, I, I say he's not a high strikeout guy. His strikeout percentage is it, he's got a 6.7 strikeout per nine, which is one of the lower marks in Major League Baseball. But he produces low contact, uh, low hard hit rates, and uh, 112 starts since 2018 at 3.43 ERA, 42 and 24. So he gives you a chance to win. Wade Miley is going to be available as a free agent this offseason. Somebody to keep your eye on. Yunjin Ryu, another Toronto Blue Jay on this list. He's dealt, another guy that's dealt with a lot of injuries the past couple of years. He missed most of 2022 and most of 2023 with Tommy John surgery. A 3.46 ERA across 11 starts here in 2023. The first couple starts were really shaky, and that's to be expected for a guy that hasn't pitched in nearly two seasons. But he ended up, again, a 3.46 ERA across 11 starts this year. He did not get a start in the playoffs probably not healthy enough. They went with Gosman game one, and then it was uh, Jose Barrios game two, and then they got swept by Minnesota. So Yunjin Ryu never even really got a chance to pitch in the postseason. Not that he was going to, but regardless, Yunjin Ryu is going to be 37 years old next year. So he's up there. But again, I just said with Tyler Malley, guys that come back from Tommy John can often come back stronger. So if uh, if last season's, 11 starts for Ryu was any indication. 3.46 ERA across 52 innings, 38 strikeouts. Uh, could be a really solid fourth, fifth, maybe even third starter for somebody. Here's somebody that really nobody is talking about at all, and that's because he's coming over from a stint in Korea. Um, Eric Fetty, total cast off, not only from the Washington Nationals, but all of Major League Baseball. Hit a career ERA. Eric Fetty, when he was with Washington as a starter across six seasons, a career ERA of 5.41. He was 21 and 33, 7.0 strikeout per nine. So really struggled across his first six seasons with Washington. They really liked his potential. A former first-round pick in 2014, he never really developed into the pitcher that they hoped he would. So Fetty was non-tendered. In November of 2022, last season, he became a free agent. Instead of returning to Major League Baseball, he signed with the NC Dinos of the Korean Baseball League. And he was an all-star for him. He was uh, awarded the the Choi Dong-Won Award, which is essentially the, the Cy Young Award for best pitcher in the KBO. So Eric Fetty was the best pitcher in the KBO last season. He went 20-6 and six with a 2.00 ERA across 30 starts for the NC Dinos last year. We've seen this story before. Merrill Kelly, Nick Martinez. That might be a foreshadowing for our relief pitchers, by the way. Nick Martinez. We've seen guys go over to Japan, resurrect their careers, and, and learn some new ways to manipulate baseballs and new grips and new pitch, uh, new pitch grips that they can find when they're overseas. Then they come back to Major League Baseball, and they're a little bit more mature. They developed a little bit more. Maybe Eric Fetty could be an option for a team that wants to take a chance on, you know, it'll be a low cost option. He's not going to be demanding five years or anything. Uh, Chris Flexen is another guy that comes to mind too, that went overseas and was able to have a couple of good years. So keep your eye on Eric Fetty. Could be, it could be an option either, either as a relief option or a starting pitcher, which is a great transition because now we're going to be talking about relief pitchers. And this is, 
kind of like a dominant theme for my relief pitchers. It's former starting pitchers that are now transitioning into becoming relief arms. And I just mentioned, mentioned how Eric Fetty could be one of those guys. The first guy I have on this list is Sean Maniah, a guy that was a starting pitcher and he's pitched a no hitter before when he was with Oakland. And he had a really promising start to his career with Oakland, San Diego, San Francisco last year, they tried him out as a starter and it did not, work out the last couple seasons between san diego and san francisco his numbers as a reliever versus as a starter night and day but last year second half they kicked into the bullpen in san francisco and he had a 3.43 earned run average as a reliever also he you saw a tick up in his fastball as well he topped out at 98 miles per hour last year and i was of course out of the bullpen last year it was a career high 93.6 miles per hour average fastball and i mentioned he topped out at 98. So it depends on what Sean's going to want to do. If he wants a starting spot somewhere, he'll probably have to look to a more of a rebuilding team or maybe a low small market team, maybe somebody like Cincinnati, uh, a Miami, uh, a Kansas City. If he wants a starting spot in the starting rotation, that's probably the opportunities are going to be presented to him. But if he wants to pitch on a contender, there's a lot of people that are going to want Sean Maniah as a relief pitcher and he could be very very valuable from the left side with that funky arm slot that he has and now he sports a a fastball that's averaging up in the mid 90s now which is something that he has not been able to say much of his career another lefty that he was put back into the rotation after pitching out of the bullpen in 2022 uh he was coming off of Tommy John surgery and so they kind of were slowly working back into things in 2022 in Seattle and San Francisco in 2023, Detroit Tigers signed Matthew Boyd back uh, after he started his career in Detroit, and they put him back into the starting rotation. Well, Boyd really, really struggled as a starting pitcher last season, and he struggled much of his entire career missing bats as a starter. In his career, a 5.02 earn run average as a relief pitcher, Matthew Boyd has a 1.71 earn run average. If he's willing to transition to the bullpen, maybe he could be a piece. Reynaldo Lopez was kind of shipped everywhere last year. Uh, started out in Chicago, was shipped over to the Los Angeles Angels at the deadline. Then the Angels ended up waving him, and he wound up finishing the season with Cleveland. And he finished the season strong, too, with Cleveland, by the way. 12 scoreless outings to finish the season. He's another guy. Started his career as a starting pitcher, has since transitioned into a reliever. His career is 3.01 ERA as a reliever, a 4.73 ERA as a starting, as a starting pitcher, excuse me. Jacob Junis, broken record, I know. Former starter, moved into a bullpen arm. Last year, a 31.8 uh, percentage chase rate. That's the 81st percentile, and he was with San Francisco last year. A 3.87 earn run average out of the bullpen. He's been kind of like a bridge hybrid. He kind of made some spot starts for San Francisco here and there. His slider's considered one of the better pitches um, better uh, swing and miss pitches um, amongst their pitchers last season. So um, Jacob Junis. Matt Moore, another guy that's kind of, look, a former starter, a former starter. That's now a relief pitcher. Um, I'm just going to put it on repeat now. But Matt Moore, 10-3, and three, a 2.20 earn run average over the last two seasons. Matt Moore is available. Nick Martinez, I mentioned him earlier as kind of a foreshadowing. Uh, he's a guy that went over to the Korean Baseball League, and he came back, was signed by San Diego. And uh, the last couple seasons with San Diego, 
He's made 19 starts. He's been mostly a relief arm, very similar to Jacob Junis with San Francisco. He's been kind of a hybrid guy. 110 games, which is the most in Major League Baseball. 110 games, 19 starts, a 3.45 earn run average for Nick Martinez since 2021. Brent Suter had a really strong campaign with Colorado last year, which is kind of unheard of because you don't hear about relief pitchers having strong seasons at Coors Field. But Brent Suter is a guy, he's funky, he pitches quick, he has the fastest tempo in Major League Baseball amongst relief arms. He gets the ball and he throws. He doesn't wait around. Had a 3.38 earn run average in Colorado this year. He has a career 3.49 earn run average. He's often looked over because his fastball is between 86 and 89 miles per hour, but he manipulates it, nothing straight. It's a cutter or a two-seamer away, and he works quickly, so he does a good job of keeping hitters off balance. Last two guys, Kirby Yates. He pitched 61 games last year in a 3.28 ERA in his first full season since 2019. A guy that can throw the uh, the fastball in the upper nines, win healthy. The only thing with Kirby Yates is just staying healthy. He's really got great stuff. Uh, he was with Atlanta this last season, was a really key piece for their bullpen. If he can stay healthy, Kirby Yates is very strong arm. Lastly, Drew Pomeranz, another San Diego cat. 47 games and a 1.62 earn run average across 2020 to 2021. Problem is, is that he had Tommy John surgery after that 2021 season, and he has not been able to take the hill since on the major league mound. He had some uh, spot appearances in AAA last year and they attempted comeback. We'll see if he wants to continue his career. There've been rumors that he could wind up, uh, wind up retiring and, and calling it quits. Whew. Can exhale now. That was a lot. If you're still sticking with me, uh, I, f- I feel weird because uh, podcasts are all about like like conversing and like banter and like having somebody to have a conversation with. This is I've done this before when Brooksy took a couple months off back in uh, or a couple weeks off, I should say, back in August. It's always weird doing solo appearances here on the podcast, but hopefully it was informative. Hopefully I gave you a break away from your families for a couple minutes here. Free agents that nobody's talking about. Hopefully, we're the only ones that are talking about it. But now you know. So next time you walk back into your, with your family and everybody's talking about Otani, everybody's talking about Yamamoto, go in there and tell them that uh, Eric Fetty's available. And Michael A. Taylor and Nick Senzel and Ahmed Rosario. Like these, you're going to impress them. Go back into your, right now, go into your families. They're talking about Otani, where, the, where he's going to end up. Tell them that Jimer Candelario and Tony Kemp are available and see what See what reactions you get. Appreciate you sticking around. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Um, As I mentioned, Will and I are going to be back here talking about the big time free agents very, very, very soon. Um, Thank you for tuning in. Wake and Rake Podcast, episode 106. All part of the Believe Network. Appreciate you, folks. Talk soon.